Good morning. We're glad that you were able to join us today. We're going to try this a second time. Uh, had a few technical problems the first go around. But we've been praying that you're doing well during this time of social distancing and all of the frustrations and the limitations and everything that we're all dealing with. And we're all in the same boat. But I hope that you're encouraged. I hope you understand and believe that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is there. He's working on our behalf. He's protecting us. He's bringing healing if we need it. And that this morning we have the opportunity to worship and praise him. My wife, Rhonda, will be leading us in worship this morning. Amazing love, how can it be? 
died for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. And it's my joy to honor you in all I do.
Lord, I do pray and I do ask that as we praise and worship you today and we have this privilege that our worship is pleasing to you, Lord, and it is acceptable. And Lord, that I just thank you for the opportunity that we have to come despite the circumstances, despite what's going on in our world, to be able to set aside a time to come before you, to come into your presence and just to enjoy your presence find encouragement and strengthening for our days. Lord, I just thank you that we, we as your church have the opportunity to praise you and worship you, give you all honor and glory that's due your name. I pray now to you, Lord, as we go to your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive, Lord. I pray for that anointing for myself to speak boldly the word that you've given, and I pray that, Lord, we would receive it as the truth of your scriptures. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I want to spend our time with, with this thought. Why Palm Sunday? This is the, the, the week before what you know, we will later observe as being the resurrection Sunday, next Sunday, our risen Lord, the empty tomb, however you want to look at it. And there's going to be a lot of events that happen during this week, especially if you follow along in Scripture, regarding different uh, things that happened, things that had to happen to fulfill Scripture, things that Jesus needed to do uh, before he went to the cross. And so this morning is it, kind of significant, I think, at least in my mind, when we talk about Palm Sunday, that it begins a, a very special seven-day period. But I want to focus this morning on uh, the regards as to who Jesus is. Who do you think Jesus is? Who is he to you in your faith? And I want to begin by going to Mark chapter 11, and I want to read verses 7 through 10, one of the accounts of the triumphal entry when Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Beginning in verse 7, it says, When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread, spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread their branches that they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. At one time or another, we've all been in that crowd during our walk of faith here on this earth. We've all had the opportunities, or if I should say, the, the struggles that at times when we have doubted or we've had issues that have caused doubt in our lives that we may not have been able to cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord we might have felt more like saying, crucify, crucify him. But we've all been in that crowd and we've all have to determine 
who it is that is riding into Jerusalem on that donkey. But my hope this morning is that we as Christians especially, that we see Jesus as the Son of God, possessing salvation for all who believe and nothing else. If we see Jesus as anything less than, than the, the Son of God, and next week we'll be focusing or celebrating on his resurrection and in the empty tomb, we are missing the mark. We're missing out on what God has for us and the truth of what Jesus has done for each of us. You might be asking yourself, do we really need to remember and celebrate Palm Sunday? I think we do. It's much like a birthday or an anniversary for a family or someone special. It's something significant happened and we want to remember it and we want to continue to remember it. We don't want to forget it. And so I think it is good that we do remember, we do think about this, because this event, uh, I believe, helps us to, to focus on next week. And when we think about this triumphal entry, we have to think about really who it is that is riding into Jerusalem. At various times, Jesus made it very clear who he was and why he needed to come. To the crowds, Jesus usually taught in parables or stories and related his message that way. But to his disciples, Jesus explained things much more. He uh, gave the, the meaning or the, the, the truth that he was teaching in the parable. And not always did he share that with the crowds. And he also demonstrated who he was by his miracles. There was proof in what he could do and who he was, who he said he was, and his miracles verified that. Yet the vast majority of the people identified Jesus incorrectly or only partially. And you can see that in the, in the accounts that are given of the uh, triumphal entry that we're going to be looking at all four of them here in just a minute. Some of them saw him only for what he could do for them, not who he truly was, the Son of God. They didn't understand his death on the cross. Many thought that the cross was a mistake, that he died and that ended everything that he was attempting to do, all of his teachings. But we know differently. The cross was the purpose. The cross was necessary for you and I to have salvation. Personally, I feel Palm Sunday causes or almost forces people or us to have to decide who it is that rode into Jerusalem that, that morning. And when you read the accounts in the Gospels, who do you picture in your mind as you read these and, and you're reading the details that each writer has uh, recorded? Who is it that you paint in your mind? Is it everything that it should be? Or is it a partial? So let's look at all four accounts. And let's explore this a little bit further. 
But first, let's, let's examine this idea of who. Who is this? If you go to Matthew chapter 21 and verse 10, this account says, When he entered Jerusalem, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? I don't think it's an exaggeration to say at this point in time that Jesus had made a stir in Jerusalem. Is what the multitudes say and what the multitudes did, did they add up between today, his triumphal entry, and the day he was crucified? There seems to me to be a quite a gap, quite a difference in what was said. Because we know later in the week the crowds would be crying, crucify him, crucify him. And today many are praising him and worshiping him and fulfilling the scriptures. But keep in mind that Jerusalem is overflowing with people who have come to celebrate the Passover. Jerusalem is full and everybody's talking about what Jesus has been doing. And so, in verse 10, when it says the city was stirred up, I believe that was very true, very accurate. It seems Jesus has convinced the majority of the people that he has been sent by God. But many believe that he was only a prophet. Even the Pharisees, there's an account in John that talks about their observation or somewhat maybe a frustration of what Jesus was doing as far as winning over the people. John 12 and verse 19 says, So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. They were frustrated because Jesus had gained a lot of popularity and that's, I think, a reflection of why Matthew records that the whole city was stirred up. Who is riding on a donkey makes all the difference as to whether you have faith to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. How you view Jesus riding into Jerusalem, I believe, has an effect on how you view Jesus as the resurrected Lord. Have you ever answered the telephone and not recognized who was on the phone? Who would, whose voice that was? What's the first thing you do? You ask, who is that? Who is this? Who am I talking to? And you're not willing to continue usually until you figure out who it is and what they want before you start answering their questions or engaging in a conversation. And if you're like me, if it's telemarketer, conversation ends right there. Don't pursue it because I don't want to go there. But that question, that needing to know who is this becomes significant. And I think it's very significant in our walk, in our faith, that we have the same, the same reasonings. There's four differing opinions recorded in the Gospels that surround Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. And we'll be looking at all of them here in just a minute. Maybe it doesn't seem all that important for you to answer the question, who's riding on a donkey into Jerusalem? But until you answer the question correctly, that is, that it was Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah or the Christ, uh, 
you will not be able to see him as your personal Lord and Savior. So I think it becomes quite, it's quite important, critical that we identify him correctly. The last thing I want to talk about this morning is what do all these reasons mean, these various things that are recorded in Scripture? I'm going to read all four accounts from each of the Gospels. Each has a description of who Jesus is. So I'll begin in Matthew 21 and verse 11. And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Here he's identified as a prophet. Mark 11:10 says, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And here the reference is made to the, the kingdom and the reference to King David. Luke 19:37 says, As he was drawing near, Already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise him with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen him do. Here the, the focus is on the works. John 12:18. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard that he had done this sign. And that sign was the raising of Lazarus from the dead. So let's look at them a little individually in a little more detail. Going back to Matthew 21 and verse 11, and the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. We talked about this account a little bit earlier. This is, this is where just prior to this verse 10, it, Matthew records that the entire uh, city of Jerusalem was stirred up. But yet, in all this that's happening, in all that Matthew records here as far as what the people were saying, they only give him credit as being a prophet. And they attribute his abilities to do the miraculous signs because he was a prophet. And it's true that the Bible does record many uses of the prophets by God to do the miraculous, to do, perform miracles, and that's accurate. But that's not inconsistent with what Jesus was doing, but it's only partial of what he was. And the real problem with this, this description is that a prophet could not be the sinless sacrifice necessary to pay the penalty for our sins. If Jesus was only a prophet and not truly the Son of God, then we remain in our sins. And that's a very hopeless place, and that's not what God has prepared. That's not what happened on the cross. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and my sins. That was his main purpose in coming. Going to Mark's account, it may be the closest as far as the final outcome. Mark 11.10 says, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. The, the Messiah would come in the lineage of David and sit on David's throne. That's very true. And Jesus coming the first time and his second coming yet we're waiting for will be an even further fulfillment of that. However, what was missed by the Jewish people and the leadership was that Jesus would have to come first as the Lamb of God. Come humbly. Die for the sins of the people and then come again and establish the kingdom and sit on the throne of David. 
Here, the people are looking for someone to come like King David immediately and to free them from the nation, from free the nation of Israel from the Roman occupation. They were looking for a King David to ride into Jerusalem and take over and lead a, a, a revolt or revolution to free Israel. But that was not Jesus' purpose at this point. Jesus didn't come to free Israel from Rome, but he came to free mankind from sin. At his second coming, one, the one we are still looking for, Jesus will come in that power. He will come like the King David that Israel is looking for at this point, and he will establish his eternal kingdom. And things will be different. Something that we all look forward to. And if we go to Luke, Luke attributes Jesus' large crowds of followers to the works that he did, his healings, his miracles that Jesus performed. Luke 19.37 As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. This is really a fulfillment of the prophecy recorded in Zechariah. Zechariah 9.9 Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. Is he humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey? That's exactly what Jesus was doing. And he did fulfill that scripture. But yet there was much more that Jesus was preparing to do. Many of these people who followed Jesus were looking to have their immediate needs met. Food, healings, deliverance. And Jesus did meet those immediate needs. But his main purpose in coming to this earth was to become the perfect sacrificial lamb that no human being could be, no prophet, no man. And when Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples, I don't really believe that his disciples truly understood that Jesus would be the sacrificial lamb in a real sense, that he would literally have to die. But Jesus' death on the cross coincided with the sacrifices of the Passover lamb by the high priest in the temple. And if you read scripture, you can see that while that traditional sacrifice of the lamb was going on, Jesus was on the cross being the actual uh, sacrificial lamb that had been celebrated for centuries, looking forward to Jesus coming and being that, but yet so many of the Jewish people missed it. They focused on the traditional lamb. But finally, John attributes Jesus' multitude, multitude of followers to the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Again, John 12 and verse 18. The reason why the crowd met to meet with him was that they heard he had done this sign. And that sign was Lazarus. And after raising Lazarus, large numbers of people believed in Jesus. That was a significant event and it made a great impact because it was located very close to Jerusalem 
and it affected so many people and were, the word sped, spread rapidly. Because raising someone from the dead is a very significant miracle. That does not just happen easily or automatically. That takes the work of the living God to do that. But this event happened just prior to this day, to Palm. what we are looking at today is Palm Sunday. And so this event was still very fresh in the minds of the people. The majority of the people who witnessed the raising of Lazarus from the dead, I think really failed to understand that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. They were only able to accredit Jesus as being the prophet, not fully understanding this importance. But my hope is for each of us that we have a very clear picture of who rode into Jerusalem on the donkey. It must include each of the reasons recorded in the Gospels, but it also must clearly identify Jesus as the Son of God, our Redeemer, the one who died for my sins and your sins. And it was not a mistake that he went to the cross, that he died. That was the purpose. That was a necessity. That was the only way that our sins are forgiven. And without that, we have no foundation of faith. We have no blessed hope. We, we, don't have, we wouldn't have the opportunity to look forward to an eternal uh, existence with Jesus Christ in heaven when we leave this earth. And I really don't believe you understand the significance of the empty tomb. And you will have a great struggle in seeing Jesus resurrected and understanding the significance of not only his death on the cross, but his resurrection and why that is so very important to us today. And I know it, you can read the account. You may have read it. It's recorded in the Bible. There's movies, stories, various ways that you can come across or, or hear this story. But if the resurrection is not personal, if you don't make it personal, if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it is going to be very difficult for you to truly understand who it is that's riding into Jerusalem and why you can have faith to know that Jesus died for your sins, that your sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ. So my hope today, again to reiterate, my hope is that Christians will see Jesus as the Son of God, possessing salvation for all who believe, and not anything less. We cannot compromise that. Jesus is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and I hope that he's your personal Lord and Savior as well. And I hope that as you look through these accounts of Palm Sunday, that you will solidify in your hearts the true identity and the purpose of Jesus coming to this earth. You will have no doubts. You will see Jesus in all of those accounts, but you will also understand him to be the, the Son of God who came and died for our sins. 
And especially today, when we look to, to the Lord, we look for protection from the coronavirus. And if we need healing from it and we call upon Him, it's, it's critical, it's an absolute necessary necessity that we and you and I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it's only through that personal relationship that we apply the promises of God to our lives. And we can have hope and assurance that what we are asking for, we are asking someone who can deliver, who has the ability to supernaturally, miraculously intervene to protect us, put a hedge of protection around us, heal us if necessary, to maintain our health and our existence here on this earth till till he calls us home. And so as we look... In, at these days, and we, we uh, <clears throat> attempt to follow the directions that our government is giving us about the social distancing and to this being the best opportunity, best way to defeat this virus and the spread of it, that we have more faith than just in our government. We live in an incredible country and we have many blessings and benefits, but we serve a far greater God someone who is far greater and more powerful and have a greater reason to follow than our government. So I encourage you to take the time this week to read the accounts in the Gospels. Read about the entire week, the events, and ponder them, think about them, and solidify in your heart who rode into Jerusalem. Because even though these are trying times, this is a time where we have an opportunity to share our faith and to express to the world around us why we have faith, why we believe in the hope that we have. And so, Lord, as we... As we come to the close of this message let's let's close in in a word of prayer lord i thank you and i praise you lord that we have the privilege to call upon you to be called by your name to have the confidence to know that we are your people and that we can call upon you for protection and healing and lord that we do so to the living god King of kings, Lord of lords, there's no one higher. No one has more authority. Our government, every government, every nation on this earth is subject to you. And so, Lord, I praise you and I thank you today that we are in such a position and that despite the circumstances, we have opportunity, we have a privilege to serve you and to honor you and to hold your name up today. And I pray, too, that if you're listening and you have not personally invited Jesus Christ into your heart, that you would do so today. Take that time. Ask Jesus into your heart. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Turn from your present lifestyle. Choose to serve Him and walk in His direction. And know that your sins are forgiven. If you believe and you live a life that's pleasing to Him. You can have that reassurance today.
So I encourage you to do that. If you have any questions, you can call us or your pastor or a trusted Christian friend and ask the questions. We all have doubts, but I encourage you today to do that. Take those steps to do that. And so as we close, I just would ask each of us to be able to have that faith to stand not only for our own protection and praying for ourselves and our country, but use the opportunities God gives you to share the hope that we have in our heart. Now to him who loves us and washed us from our sins in our own blood, in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. We look forward to meeting with you again next week. But go in confidence and strength knowing that we serve the living God. God bless you.